question we want to answer today is how do we think and speak about God? The idea is that what our minds are full of is what we talk about. Now, we live in a culture where people have said, and how many have heard this phrase, don't talk about religion, don't talk about culture, and don't talk about politics? Who have heard that? Yeah. Oh, there's uh, Joe here has Bibles. Anybody need a Bible? We'll refer to other passages of the scriptures as we go along. Bible, anybody? And you can use your cell phone if you uh, would like, would prefer, if that's handier for you. Okay, Psalm 115, we'll kind of focus our attention on that passage. Uh, the, the next passage we'll focus on is the Psalm 135, which is a companion song, a, a, a psalm. And uh, you may even check that out as I'm talking. Sometimes we have our mind wandering in the message. I do that. Uh, try to focus, but I can also read a little bit. But Psalm 135, and you'll see that why it is a companion psalm. But we ask this question, how do we think and uh, speak about God? And our culture says, don't talk about religion and don't talk about politics, right? And don't talk about cultural issues. Uh, so... Uh, just think of these questions. Uh, should we mask or should we not mask? Should we own a gun or not own a gun? Uh, should we be gay or should we be straight? Should we allow immigration or should we not? Should be the, it be allowed to sell marijuana and drugs or not? Uh, should they pray in school or should we not? And the list of controversial subjects can go on and on and on. And as we're talking about these things, every single one can generate a lot of heat, a lot of discussion, and a lot of conflict. So um, we're told then, because of this, that it, we should be accepting. No matter what a person believes, whatever a person thinks, uh, we should keep our mouths shut because peace, tranquility, togetherness, inclusivity is the main thing. Uh, now we can think, they say, we can think whatever we want to think, but keep it to ourselves. Uh, and this whole idea of keeping quiet, lest we offend somebody, I believe, comes into the church. Uh, we don't even know how to speak to one another sometimes, and we carry some of these divisions with us into the church, and so even in the church, I believe that oftentimes we keep silent about our witness and our testimony of Jesus Christ. Psalm 115, on the other hand, assumes that uh, it's a good thing to talk about God. It begins with these words, not to us, but to your name be the glory. And it ends with the phrase, praise to God. Begins with praise and ends with praise. Deuteronomy chapter 6, you know that passage of Deuteronomy chapter 6 where it says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
And because he's only one and not a half a dozen, because uh, we have one God and not a multitude of gods or images or idols or purposes or causes, because we have one God, uh, we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. One God, total love to this one God. And it says, therefore, keep this commandment in your hearts, but write them on the doorposts of your houses. Speak about them to your children on the, on the way and wherever you are. It assumes that because we have this one God, and he's so great, and we give him all our love and uh, devotion, that we are to speak about him and transmit his law of love to everyone around us. This psalm also, Psalm 115, is a prayer asking the Lord to bless us. It's a, not totally a prayer per se, but it's kind of like a prayer. May the Lord cause you to flourish. Verse um, 14 both you and your children. And then for a couple of verses later on there, God is blessing us, God is flourishing us, and then it says, but the dead don't praise you, God. There's a kind of an interest on God's part to bless us. Because if he blesses us and we flourish then we're alive and we can praise the Lord. Because, Lord, if you take your blessing away and we're hurt and we're dead and we fail and we're in the grave, where is the praise in that? We come to church to praise God. We don't go to the cemetery to praise God and listen to the corpses under the tombstones. Right? It's the living who praise the Lord. And so I'm thinking, dear friends, when we take the attitude that we're not supposed to talk about faith, about God, about his law, about his principles, what the Bible says, if we take that attitude, and then we also say, well, we may have the attitude we're supposed to speak, right? But we don't do it. Then I say, are we acting like the dead? Are we walking cadavers wherever we go? Because wherever we go, we put, I can talk about sports, I can talk about this, I can talk about gasoline prices, I can talk about inflation, I can talk about the war in Iran, I can, walk, I can talk about Roe versus Wade, I, I can talk about all these things, but when it comes to God, I won't say anything. I might be offensive. So I'm asking, are we like dead people? If, if the Lord prospers us, then out of our mouths should come this praise to God. So how do we think about God and how do we speak about God? I'd like to notice another thing here in the psalm is that there's a contrast between us who trust in the Lord and them who follow idols. Our God is in heaven, and he does whatever he wants. He's alive, right? Their idols, their gods, are silver and gold, made by humans, 
and they pertain to the earth, and that's their end. They are dead, and they are lifeless. Our God does whatever he wants. That doesn't mean he's a capricious God, but uh, he has a purpose to us in creation, and he has a purpose for salvation. He has a purpose to bless his people, and he's alive and well and doing that. Remember the time in the Old Testament about uh, Balak, the king of Moab, who was threatened when Israel came to the promised land, and he wanted God to curse them. So he called a prophet out of, called Balaam out of uh, the east to come and, in the name of God, uh, curse uh, the Israelites. And so Balak went up to a high mountain, and he made seven altars, and he put on there seven uh, bulls in uh, offering to God. And so you have the greatest prophet. You have all the princes of the country there, and you have these powerful offerings. And now comes asking God to curse Israel. But God will not do it, right? And so instead of cursing, comes blessing out of Balaam's uh, mouth. Well, if one try doesn't work, let's try somewhere else. Maybe we can, maybe he'll just curse a third of the people of Israel. So they did the same thing. And instead of cursing comes a blessing. Our God in heaven does what he wants, right? And so they, let's try it a third time. These powerful offerings, powerful medium or seer or fortune teller, uh, powerful place close to heaven, and see if God will curse his people. And uh, Balaam, as it were, throws up his hands and he says, all I can do is do what God tells me to. And then come seven oracles of blessing and blessing and blessing and blessing and blessing over his people because God in heaven does what he wants, what pleases him. You can't change the purpose in the mind of God. So we see that uh, uh, well, I'm going to add one more thing here. Once in a while, I, I get the impression that if we can get a, a prayer chain going, uh, maybe we can change God's mind and uh, we can have God do what we want. Supposing we could get a prayer chain of a million people and we could influence God to do what we want. <laughs> Emphasis is on what we want. All this alone thing. And I remind you that there was once a man, he was all alone in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prayed, and he prayed, Father, let this cup from, uh, pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. One man, his disciples had abandoned him, as it were, too sleepy. One prayer of surrender, and God did not take the cross away, but he went to the cross. But that prayer was answered, and God raised his own son from the dead. Christ arose, and that was the prayer that changed the course of history for all time. God in heaven does what pleases him. And what pleased him was that his son would die. 
for the sins of the world. And it came to pass. Now, as we talk about these things, the psalm is, also has a contrast here. It's our God. And it's their idols. There's a division between mankind. And the question is, who is God and who has the authority and what's the purpose driving people's lives? It's, uh, and that's how you distinguish between us and them. Um, and I'd like to have you think about the divisions in our world and what they're not. This division that we're talking about here is not a division of the color of a person's skin. Absolutely not. This division is not the division of ethnic background or origin racially. Uh, this division is not a heritage of home life, whether we have intact homes or whether we have broken homes, single parents or the blessing of mom and dad forever together, or in my case, it was uh, uh, my mother was a widow. And so we have, that's not the division of uh, family structure or heritage. The division is not also neither uh, wealth, poverty or wealth, whether you drive a late model car, get you to work tomorrow, have one that's uh, rusted out, and you hope it'll get you to work tomorrow. It's not uh, educational level. Some people who've just barely made it out of high school and, or maybe got their GED, and others who have a professional doctor's degree, PhD, whatever. That's not the division that we're talking about. It's the division between those who follow God and have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ or those who do not. Those who are with God and who are opposed to God. After all, there's only one way. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So that is the great division. And once in a while, this division is found even in the church. There are those in the church that act like Christians in exterior ways, prayers and services and on and on and on. But once in a while, all of a sudden, boom, there's an explosion, and then the true person is revealed, and they are not with the Lord. They're against him. They're for self or whatever it is. So there can be that division of those who are following God in the church, and there are those possibly that are on the roles of the church but are not following God. That's the big division. Are you following and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, or are you not? We can praise and talk about God because our God is alive and does whatever he wants. When we think about our God is in heaven, right away I think about in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
Our God is the creator. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament declares his handiwork. Psalm 19, verse 1. And then also Romans 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Our God is in the heavens. He's the creator. Our God is in the heavens, and he controls everything. Uh, I'll just confess that I have something in my heart about the war in Ukraine. It's just kind of like an everyday thing. What, how is this going to come out? And yet, I have to think about it and say, our God is in the heavens and he is in control. The Apostle Paul to the Athenians said this, from one man he made all nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. The boundaries of their lands and of nations have shifted according to the power and viciousness and military might or lack of it on the part of people. But our God has the destiny of nations. And I could go on a mini-sermon here about where the United States is headed for if we don't repent. And, but anyway, uh, our God has the destiny and the divisions of the nations under his control. And third, and this is uh, God is in heaven and does whatever he wants. And this is uh, referred to as referenced in Psalm 135. It's a parallel psalm. Uh, Psalm 115 doesn't have this section in it, but from uh, verses uh, 8 to 12, uh, our God has this purpose of salvation and liberation of his people. He is faithful to his promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to uh, uh, Israel, and uh, his people then became slaves in Egypt, and God is still faithful to his covenant promise to them. And so in Psalm 135, it says this, this acting, alive God struck down the firstborn of Egypt, the firstborn of the people and animals. He sent his signs and wonders into your midst, Egypt, against Pharaoh and all his servants. He struck down many nations and killed mighty kings, Sion, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and of all the kings of Canaan. And he gave their land as an inheritance, an inheritance to his people. Our God is active. And this all happened through wars in the Old Testament times, but he gave the promised land, the, fulfilling the promise to Abraham, this land is going to be your land. Our God is in heaven, and over the course of time, he had this purpose of salvation in mind and he sent his son Jesus Christ and this promised land is a little bit bigger than the land of Canaan or the land of Israel right now and so when uh, Joseph was command- uh, heard the angel talking to him the angel gave him this, uh, this message you shall call this virgin's son, Jesus. 
because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is a savior. That's the purpose of his coming. And so Jesus became flesh and he lived among us. Um, he has a human nature and he knows the extent of our feelings. And there's not a feeling that you have that Jesus did not know or any temptation that you've ever gone through. And Jesus did not face it, but he was without sin. He carried our flesh. And he showed us in his life um, the kingdom of heaven. I like to tell people, you know what heaven looks like, right? Just look at Jesus. The, the, the miracles, right? Look at every miracle that Jesus performed, and you've got a picture of heaven, picture of health, picture of peace, picture of prosperity. The dead are raised. Forgiveness of sins. And the way he taught, love the Lord, your God. Yeah, this is the law of forever, right? So love, love the Lord, your God, with all your soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if only people would live that way, right? What would we have here on earth? Heaven, right? <laughs> So if we, can't, if we aren't living this way right now, someday we will in heaven. And no one curses God in heaven. And I'll lose a job evangelizing in heaven. <laughs> I won't call anybody to repentance in heaven because we're all saved, see? And no one in heaven is killing, lying, cheating, divorcing, betraying, stabbing in the back, abusing heaven. And Jesus taught all that. So uh, Jesus then revealed unto us what heaven is like. Our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. Now, think of that in the last verses of Matthew 28. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And uh, he goes then and says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. You say the, the kingdom is then spread out to all the nations, not to the Jews only. The people of God are from every nation, every tribe, every clan, every strata of life, make disciples of all these people and teach them to obey all the things that I have commanded you. Our God is in heaven, and he has that purpose in mind, not just for the Jews, but the Jews would be a blessing for all mankind through Jesus Christ. And then, this salvation is by grace. Our God is in heaven. And he does, and he forgives through the cross anyone who comes to Jesus, and it's all by grace. It's not by how much you know, or how powerful you can be, or how many prayers you've done, or how many baptisms you've performed, or how many doors you've knocked on in the community. 
it won't change your, won't influence God as far as your eternal uh, destiny. It will be determined by grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our God is in heaven, and he does whatever he pleases. Uh, the last meeting that we had with the doc, uh, Craig uh, Van Hill chose this uh, text for the uh, young people to memorize from Romans uh, chapter 10, uh, verses 9 and 10. And it's, it goes like this. If you believe in your, if you profess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your mouth that you confess, speak out, and it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. Justification by faith, right? Profession in the midst of opposition and uh, persecution. And so here we got uh, adolescents from um, junior high, middle school, and they can memorize that, and they can get a nice big candy bar if they do. And I'm kind of in charge of this, and so if they have, they have to tell me. Kids that have not ever gone to church, or who are immigrants, and their English is not their first language, and uh, they've got to memorize that, so they're memorizing words, they're trying to say it. What does it mean to them? So I tell them, when you're saying this, think. Think like this. Jesus is Lord. Okay, think. He's the boss. Jesus is the boss. And God raised him from the dead. Think like this. Jesus is alive. Which means, obviously, that if you pray to him, you can answer prayer. He's alive, too, because he knows what you're thinking. Be careful, little eyes. Be careful, little feet. Be careful, little hands, because our Jesus is alive. He can do anything. He's the boss. Obey him. Isn't that a, that, that's grace. Our God, Jesus, is the boss, and he's alive. So that is what we think about God and how we ought to think about him as we praise him. Now, action point. Uh, the first thing in response to this is repentance. Repentance. Uh, idols, you see, uh, that people serve have eyes that don't see, ears that don't hear. You, you know that list. You've heard it a couple times already this service. And so if we are following idols then the appeal then is to stop. Quit it. Quit it. And in, in personal evangelism, I always I ask this question. Do you know who can get you from here to there? Who can get you, let's say, into heaven? Are you good enough on your own power and goodness to make it? Will any power that you exercise in this world 
Elon Musk with Tesla or whatever, or Jeff Bezos with Amazon, or the President of the United States, or whoever you want to talk about, with that power, can they get you to heaven? Will your bank account get you there? Will your family get you there? The problem is, you see, we come to the hour of death, and I'm getting to the place where I'm useless, grabbing the end of a railroad tie. I had that experience. I had my grandson and son-in-law help me with moving railroad ties. Can't do it anymore. Because when we die, we leave it all behind. It's only the God who is alive through Jesus Christ. And if we follow Jesus Christ, we become like him, right? And the promise is that we will live like him, and we will be raised like him, and he's the one who went from death to life, and if we follow him, we will go from death to life. Our God is alive. So put away the gods that we follow in this world. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, I, I can't help it but talk about evangelism, you see. But some people often ask me, does it do any good? Okay. Someone says, yes, it does. Some people say no. Uh, Jesus was teaching in parables, right? And his disciples asked him, why do you teach in parables? And Jesus' reply went something like this. I teach in parables because he didn't say these words, actually, but he says they're dead. I'm talking to dead people. But then he quotes from Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah was called to preach to the people. And then God says to Isaiah these words. You will be ever hearing but not understanding. You will be ever seeing but not perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, they have, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. That's what we're facing in evangelism. That's what Jesus faced. People who were in the multitude, they could see him, they could hear him, and it could make a certain sense of what he was saying. Isaiah would go to the people and he would prophesy. But they would not obey. Evangelism is actually talking to dead people. And God has to quicken and make them alive. But Jesus said to his disciples, Blessed are your eyes because you see. And uh, your ears because you hear. Now, I've thought about this and, and I've asked myself this question. Are we like those dead people? You see, we have eyes. And the question is, do we see unsaved people? Checking out at Walmart or we see people stocking the shelves or we see people seeing do this and people driving down the street. Are we thinking about people? Do we see them? Are they saved or are they not saved? Do we actually see people created in God's image with a, human de with a eternal destiny? 
heaven or hell? Do we have uh, ears? But are we talking so much we can't listen to people? Why do people do what they do? Why are people angry? It's kind of good to de-escalate the conversation a little bit and say, why? One fellow nearby here, veteran of Vietnam, he didn't want to talk. And I asked him, why? And then I had to listen of all the atrocities that he had to say, or had experienced. Do we have ears to listen? Do we have, uh, we have arms, right? But are we carrying a load of somebody else? Are we helping somebody carry their load? We have feet and legs. Are we running to help, you know, running to help us in a situation? Or are we dead? If we're alive and we hear Jesus, then he gave us all of these resources to think like he, to see like he, to do like he, to minister like he ministered, to help. So uh, that is an application of how to praise God. Um, another way to praise God, I think, is by the fact you're here, right? Uh, I, I just praise God about that because to be here, you made a decision and you planned for it. You got in your car and you came. And you came to worship. Uh, once in a while, uh, we make it too easy for people to leave their home and come to church. Suppose they live a, a, a mile away. Can people walk a mile? They don't have a car, you know. Do they need a ride to come to church? But what if we really encouraged them and said, look here. You don't have a car, you plan about it, you grab your Bible, grab those little ones. So here I go, I'm walking down the street with my Bible in one hand and three little ones beside me. What am I doing? And then I come to the church. What a witness. And if we do this day in and day out, day in and day out, come to the Lord's house of prayer, no use visiting Pastor Chuck and his wife at 10 o'clock Sunday morning. They're at church. They aren't home. No way, you see. That's a witness just to come and worship the Lord. And, uh, and when we come to church, uh, I like to appear in so many ways. It's a place of praise and adoration, lifting up God. But uh, do you know that church is also a place of contention and uh, fighting and arguing? And uh, do it my way or the highway. Sometimes we have that attitude. 
Now, there were two ladies in the Philippian church who were like loggerheads. They, they, they were workers. I mean, they were Paul's right-hand people, you know. They were, they were right there. And he said uh, to his joke fellow, please help them uh, live at peace and settle the problem that they have together. And I'd like to have you read, uh, refer to Philippians chapter 4. And it's in this context that, text that Paul, uh, Paul has some wonderful things about our coming to the church for praise and of adoration and, and worship of him. And so, uh, Ecclesia, uh, Philippians chapter 4. And so, verse 6 says, uh, uh, I'll start with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Your, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. We're like this, you know, sometimes in the church. Well, rejoice. The Lord is near. Let your joyfulness be evident to everybody. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to the Lord. Turn it over to the Lord. Um, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's not going my way, you see, in the church, the way I think it ought to go, maybe. Um, I can talk. That's a whole sermon, okay? But uh, rejoice. Don't be anxious. Pray. Turn it over to God. And then, I've got a mind, you see, that invents stuff goes like this, 150 miles an hour. And uh, I impute motives. So this is happening to so-and-so and so because, and I've never asked them why, but anyway. But Paul says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is bright, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Wow. If we thought about all more and living with much, I think we'd be praising the Lord a lot more and living with much more peace with one another. And if somebody is not doing it the way I exactly want it to be done, that's all right. Then there's two ways to do it. Just praise God that the more people are doing it in their way, let it go. God is the, the Lord of all. So, uh, when uh, we have this coming together for praise, um, we put that other stuff behind us. And then there's one more thing that we praise God is, is by declaring um, the work of the gospel in the community. It's, it's the work of missions. It's, uh, and, and I'll tell you, this, this passage really weighed on me as a young man. It comes from uh, Romans 10, you see. If you profess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then Paul says this. He says this. Um, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
And then he goes on, he says, how then can they call on the one they not, have they not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How can people believe if they haven't heard? How can they follow if they don't know? And so our prayer is, praising God, is that we go to tell people about this amazing God of ours. We aren't talking about the divisions of denominations. We're talking about our God who is in the heavens and he does whatever he wants. And what does he do? He saves people. He sent his son to die for us. That's how we praise God. again from the dead. That's how we praise people. That's how we praise God. Now, one final note here. In the church of Laodicea, there were those people who were neither hot nor cold. And so Christ was about to spew them out of his mouth. Insipid. And so then uh, the call is to repent. Call is to repent. Right? And then comes these words. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. Whoever hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with him and he with me. Fellowship. And I propose to you folks that the knocking on the door is you and me in the name of Jesus, knocking on a door, a real door, a physical door. Because if somebody opens the door and they listen and we have a message, they can hear. Now, Jesus is coming to our heart. It's the door of our heart. That's the way we usually talk about it. The door of our heart, if we open our heart, but I, ever since I became a pastor, I don't read the book of the Bible like someone who's always poor and needy. Lord, help me, save me. I'm reading the Bible as a shepherd. I'm reading the Bible as an agent of salvation. I'm reading the Bible as someone who's sent. And when I read a passage that says, Jesus says, I am standing at the door and I knock then that's Jesus coming to me. And he says, Chuck, are you standing at someone's door and are you knocking? Because if you're knocking and they open the door and they hear and they know me, they are saved. And we have an amazing God who says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am humble and meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's the one who's knocking at our door. That's the God who we serve. And that's the God who wants to be praised here and in our community and in our work and in our families. Our people hearing about our God who does whatever pleases him. Amen. Lord God, just thank you who you are. And I confess that we walk around with fears and trepidations. Sometimes, Lord, we say, I'm not worthy. If people knew who I was, if they know that my past, how can I be talking about Jesus? And we're afraid. I confess all these things, Lord, that we can confess our sins and we can confess them openly. We can be released. We can have loose our mouth. Talk about your great mercy and love. So loose our mouths, O oh God, that wherever we are, we are quick to praise and glorify your holy name. Amen.